So I'll start back to where I was starting yeah. with this episode again. So I was going to say, I've known you for so long. We've done, done so much together. You're my friend. Uh, you're my colleague. And now we're taking this next step in comedy light for having the next person. Still, I can't pronounce your surname. It's okay, man. Like, <laughs> it's it's gotten so bad that when whenever I start a new job, I make the IT people give me like a fake last name. Like each time, I just make up a last name. I can be like Donna Green, like Donna Kane. Um, uh, there was one time I was Donna Abazaba. Like, <laughs> I just like I just go with that shit because it's so difficult. It's like this old Polish last name. It's in Latvian. You would say Jurkian. And Jurkiana. that's yeah, and that's already difficult for most Latvian people to pronounce. So now that I live in the Netherlands, um, they actually call me Dress Jane because apparently York means dress. Um, <laughs> but then the best one is when I'm acting like a little bit like shitty or like I just I'm just having an attitude. Of uh, like friends will go like, "Oh, you're such a jerk, Jane today." <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so. Um, that's Jörkiana. Jörkiana, yeah. Jörkiana. Dana Jörkiana. Yeah. Who is my co-founder from Comedy Latvia along with Edgar Zbalinja as well. And uh, we're here to talk about Comedy Latvia. That yes. we're entering this new phase and it's been a long journey. And But we're still here. We're still kicking. And I would say, God damn, thanks to your it, effort it's, over the last it's a miracle, 18 man. months that it's still rolling. Yeah. A uh, little bit of help from the Latvian government along the way as well. <laughs> kicking, in, kicking in some COVID relief for us. So... Um, yeah, I guess most of the people listening, maybe they're probably pretty familiar with Comedy Estonia. And I, I even last podcast, I talked a lot about Comedy Latvia already. Yeah. Um, the process that we're trying to find somebody and interview somebody to be more like general manager down here. Mm-hmm. Um, I even forget the the start. So was it that I was doing an English show and then you guys rolled up or something? Um, there was this interesting uh, collision of events. I will say, uh, I think it was about 2013, and I think that's the year you brought Dylan Morin okay. to Splendid, mm-hmm. and that was right that time where I was when I first left the country. I went like on a on Erasmus to like Spain or something, and the moment I left the country, shit, we're gonna have stand up now. So I was completely, <laughs> I was completely um, kind of surprised about that, and I remember just like going on, like there was even like a like a really basic comedy Baltics website and i wrote you an email i was like yo um i just read somewhere on your website i think you just like copy pasted shit from the the estonian website and it said oh something something open mics i'm like are you guys gonna do open mics (laughs) and you're like if you can suggest a venue maybe so literally that's how it all started and um so i said i'm gonna be down like like in a few months time you said cool uh maybe let's talk about like getting like a like an open mic venue and Right at the same time when we were like, kind of still talking about it, I also had come back uh, at that time. There was this weird um, little Jamaican bar called Coco Loco. Oh, yeah. And they did a stand-up comedy contest. Mm-hmm. They were like, we have no comedians. Uh, let's just get like a bunch of nobodies, like a bunch of, I don't know, like drunk college students um, to try and do what they think is stand-up. Mm-hmm. And that's literally where we met all the first guys. Like, that's where I met Balinj, that's where I met Dennis, like like Russian Dennis. Yeah, yeah. And, um, yeah, and I remember just going to that once, like, not getting to the next round and, like, getting, like, one laugh. Um, but still, it kind of, like, just sparked this kind of, like, interest and this joy of, like, oh, let's try this out. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, and I remember I came back for the second night just to, like, see 
the rest of the people because it was like in two stages and that's when we were all also planning like to do an open mic at Bubamara, which was also in Old Town. So mm. there was like this stand-up Old Town scene at the very beginning. And I just went to that second one. It's kind of like, hey, guys, we're going to be doing this like open mic with this weird Australian guy. You guys want to come? <laughs> um, yeah. And I think that's how that's how it kind of started. Um, and then it was like, hey, uh, we still need more venues. You guys don't know any? <laughs> <laughs> it was it, and like as a side note you said there it was when dylan morin came that did that kicked off so much stuff um it kicked it off for us in estonia when people took notice um we didn't understand that dylan was like abnormally popular you know you'd be like okay he's a famous comedian show and all that but because black books was famous like was black books here on tv back in the day honestly no no look like i was i was was quite surprised like I remember knowing of him, but I was into stand-up, so I was quite surprised that you guys, like, already, already, I think on the second day, you were like, oh, this, the, it sold out, like, the show sold out. Yeah, because I hadn't understood at the time, Black Books was on television, which made him abnormally popular. Mm-hmm. So, we had inadvertently stumbled on the formula for starting comedy in a new country, which is to find the comedian that's abnormally popular. Because, I mean, sure, Bill Burr is popular everywhere, but can you afford to get Bill Burr yeah. and take your punt on that in a small market? So we were lucky that Dylan, we had this comedian who just wanted to travel, just wanted to see shit. And we were like, yeah. Well, originally what had happened was that his management contacted us and said, hey, Eddie Izzard, Eddie Izzard's going to do everywhere that has electricity in the next you know, yeah. three years. Does he want to come to Estonia? We said, yeah, I think we can. Well, holy shit. <laughs> um, yeah, sure, we can do that. I wouldn't say like we were so confident. And then I said, but that's two years away. Or whatever, or a year away. Who else? And they said, "Oh, we got Dylan. He wants to come." And I went, "Oh, yeah." Um, but was the deal like, "Oh, but you have to do like all three countries?" No, 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 no. I just wanted to do it. I was just like, "Yes, yes, 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 yes. Let's do this." Mm-hmm. Um, Had you ever produced a big show like that before? No, and that's actually where that. Well, again, so many business lessons. Yeah, sorry, I'll try to break them down. That um, yeah, so the show sold really well in Estonia due to Black Books which was on television there back in the day. So that was like this instant hit for us. But then I'd be, we'd been working with that club, Club Privé. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we'd been producing a show through them. And then when we said Dylan, they, I'd been working and I still didn't know what was up. So they sort of, we did the first show, Dylan Moran show in collaboration with the organizers of Club Privé. Mm-hmm. And, and after, how big is this club? I don't know. Oh, it. the club is like, I don't know. It was like... It's like an old school club. It, I wouldn't. I don't want to say Russiany, but like okay. trying to be fancy or something, which is very not a concept that's really down mm-hmm. anymore. Um, you know, the owner would kind of give me these enthusiastic talks about the way that he used to like sell beer for three euros or whatever, and then put it up to four, and people still bought beer, and then put it up to five, and people <laughs> still bought bought more beer, and how that speaks about how you know you've got to value your product. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. you know that's kind of a, an old idea that doesn't you know we're not down with so much anymore so we did the first show with those guys and then that's when i started to understand that uh, what i mean look if you're running a fucking nightclub in Tallinn 10 years ago and everyone who's in Estonia knows who the fuck i'm talking about he's now a football man he runs a football club instead you know he wanted in on our business he felt that because we'd been doing shows at his bar and we i'd, mm-hmm. I'd ask for their help with dylan morin that he felt basically like he thought he had 50 percent of my business yeah and I went, uh-uh, buddy, no, you don't. Yeah. And uh, he threatened me and uh, I 
laughed at him. And oh, that's why your that, car yeah. was on fire. Yeah, that was it. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. Five years later. <laughs> Fucking Kuno got me down eventually. Oh, uh, and so, yeah, it, we, so that was the thing where it also forced me to step away and realize I could do the next Dylan Moran shows on my own. Um, uh, promoter in Finland, my who turned out to be my good friend, Antti, who was already a really big promoter. And of course, he looked at me in Estonia and went, the fuck is this guy? Get the fuck out of here. But then when I got Dylan Moran, he went, oh, okay, I'm listening now. Mm-hmm. And like, fair enough, as I would do to somebody today. So that got us into the Finnish market as well. And I started to work with him. And then you know, that became quite good money for us to bring Jimmy Carr and Dylan and, and Eddie to... To, to Helsinki and then as well it helped you know when I rolled in I wasn't just this rando and that helped us connect yeah. and then it helped just like it did in Estonia like people go like oh Comedy Estonia Comedy Lafia oh you're the guys that bring the Dylan Moran okay yeah. you must be okay yeah, yeah you yeah. must be alright then you know kind of yeah, and, the, and then right. people is that is that still happening for you guys people still come up and ask us oh could you please bring like still Louis CK or like Sarah Silliman or something or like whatever the comedian of the day is sure. and we're like sure we'll we'll give them a call and tell them Riga is waiting open arms <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you're sitting around doing nothing, Louis C.K. <laughs> sitting around on the couch. Well, no, he's not anymore no. these days. No, his hands are full. Um, uh, well, they were full. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that... Um, well, okay, so back in the day, maybe even still a little bit in Latvia, you might say. Not so much anymore. Like, we needed that credibility. We needed to be able to say, hey, we were the guys that, that brought... Um, the big comedian, so maybe come to our open mic <laughs> yeah. as well. It's not so bullshit. Um Definitely in Estonia, I think we can detach those two now. We don't need the credibility of the big star to push our Estonian guys. Yeah. Yeah, you can argue in Latvia, maybe it would still be good for us for the brand to bring big stars. I agree. Mm. The way the market has changed, though, yeah, it's the Americans are coming. Look, Americans know Europe exists. Yeah. And they know there's people that will buy tickets, which means, and we as the we're what's called the local promoter mm-hmm. where the like you know the guys on the ground who would do it we are at the bottom end of the shit heap yeah and everything gets pushed down to us and the americans because and they're not bad people it's just showbiz in america we're at the bottom of that heap and there's no money left in it yeah so it's not actually the most profitable really not at all profitable venture to do anymore yeah um and then COVID came and took the whole thing away for 18 months. So yep. it's been this mute. I was a bit like, oh, I don't know if this is good for us anymore. But then it's been a moot point for 18 months. Yeah. And we still don't know how this is going to be. Yeah. I think it's more, it's now even more about when are you going to bring shows in English mm. versus just bringing like big international comedians. I, th- I, th- I think there's still a big community of like internationals, especially like kind of students that have stuck around uh, because like university is cheap here compared to like Germany and shit like (laughs) that's what they do they come here to become doctors and then go back and work in Germany (laughs) and um, so yeah I think people but I think also it's it's something like we're we've taken stand-up as it is from the west we've kind of taken that style of comedy Mm. uh, versus like the Russians who take it from Russia Um, but yeah those are like different styles and I think just going to a stand-up show in English is kind of like looking at it at like in like the original form a little bit. And I think there's also like a lot of Latvians who just would want to see maybe more diversity also a little bit uh, for sure. Because when you do have only like five, six main guys that you can 
really see for money you do want some diversity and you don't necessarily want to go and see the shows that are actors doing stand-up like they know like they're not dumb they know that's not like real pure stand-up young people know it young yeah people get yeah it. yeah uh, well first of all we got john so john mccombs is locked yeah in uh our, our friend from uh, america john's coming back and we're going to do the old school four night tour um but not over four successive nights he's going to be here for about a week yeah and i think we're even going to film it in tarlin Mm-hmm. Um, we yeah, because we, we were he's got our he liked our director so he's and the it's still much cheaper than getting it filmed in America it yeah, turns yeah, out yeah. so yeah that's booked um, and also I was speaking to Ari Mati the other night about coming to Riga and I mean he's deep in the middle of his tour yeah. right now and that's all that he can think about yeah, yeah so it sure. would really be again somewhere around the November December who knows but then it's already January he's got his two big shows at Alexa mm. so that's just his super priority right now even though it seems like in theory it's well it's already just playing out we've only just been able to do shows anyway so yeah um yeah i'm still thinking about what that should well i know it should be for latvia and you know what we're going to get to is we've got this administrator person coming in this is the person that should be able to help us do that and if anything what was up with those four night tour shows is they almost ended up getting too big um really well, sort of, they always grow a little bit and you have a bigger comedian and you want them to be a bit more and um, the money was getting there and then the ticket price goes up, which means you've got to work harder at marketing mm-hmm. and it's sort of, it always creeps up over time and, and Sander in Estonia and I, Sander and I had a lot of talks about how can we pair that back and I know we talked about that, that we want to bring Sander's friends for comedy or whatever it is and yeah, just yeah. bring an English comedian to hang out with us for a a week mm-hmm. um, and hang out, do the mics, and then maybe there's a paid show on Friday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, as part of it. Because I had this theory, because I love to develop theories, that one of the reasons it's been difficult for the Latvian comedians to develop is because they haven't had as much foreign influence. Yeah. And when we were doing this four night tour, uh, every month for like five years in Estonia. The Estonian, there was always two Estonian guys on it. Mm-hmm. They would get four nights with an international comedian. Yeah. Where the Latvians got like one night, yeah. you know, at best, right? And yeah. there just wasn't the same amount of time to have a knowledge transfer. So I really like this idea that as soon as we can, we're going to just have, you know, put them up in whatever, some, yeah, yeah. well, it's 30 bucks a night for this place. So yeah, clearly, yeah, yeah. as you said, Regan, not so expensive. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. And I also think it's going to be like more, it's going to be interesting also how we maybe try to get a better relationship with the Estonian comedians. Because I do feel like the guys want to go, but it's always like, oh, but like someone needs to organize that. Like, how are we going to pay for it? Even though we've explicitly said, we have the money for it. We have like this bucket, like we save that money. Like mm. you can just take it at any time. Um, but yeah, I think there still needs to be like kind of like that that kind of spark that somebody who like is more enthusiastic because some of them go i've i've seen like every now and then some 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 of them goes to like a mic mm. uh to talent or what whatever but it definitely could be kind of more established i don't know do your guys because you guys do like a whole bunch of like mics anyway do your guys ever feel like oh maybe we should like check out what's happening or like go to a mic in, i would like, say the attitude is exactly the same mm. and that's one of the this is a really good example of one of those learning where I've had to learn as a leader to understand just how things are. Because at first, yes, I mean, lots of enthusiasm. Guys, fucking do it. Go on the road. Yeah, yeah we're going to pay your shit. Why don't you want to go down to Riga? Why aren't you all just jumping on buses, getting down there? And then they don't, even though it's all available. 
And I've, I've just come to understand it's just sort of like life gets in the way or... And it's not about their lack of enthusiasm. It's not about some deficiency they have. Yes, if someone was fired up and some guy was like, yeah, come with me. Hey, you're going to come? I'm going as well. Come with yep. me. It's just how comedians are. Yes, they're all fired up to do shows, but I sort of... I can't even put it in words. Yeah. I just sort of instinctively understand now. I kind of get it. That but you're not but isn't anymore. it but isn't it that classic American kind of way of doing comedy where you're just like on the road literally like doing four hour uh car trips to get to like a shitty mic there and a shitty mic there kind of just like doing that vicious circle. And this kind of could also be kind of like that. Then you can also go to for example to Finland, to Lithuania kind of or is it you could, all but just again, too then far? I, like I just sort of after a while, like the options were there. Yeah, you, they could have, well, before pandemic, got on a ferry and gone to, there's a few open mics. They're usually pretty dog shit in Helsinki, but mm-hmm. you could still go to them, right? Go yeah. for a night. And not many people were taking up that opportunity. And you might say, okay, did we not, you know, how, how much are we supposed to lay it out and present it for them? And how much are people supposed to just take it for themselves? Yeah. And it was just that example of like, I guess to me, it seems so obvious, so clear, yeah, so straight up, but... If it's not, I don't know, if they just don't do it, then they don't do it. Yeah. And if you still think they're good people at the end of it and you still <laughs> think that they're on board and you think that they're not being you know shitty or something, then yeah, that's yeah, just yeah. some reason. So for me, that was a lesson in understanding the limitations of artists. Yeah. Now, and certainly the Latvian guys need to be pushed a little more. Yeah. I guess that's not bad. Yeah. I think I think, but I think it's also like I've learned over the years to not take anything personally. Um, like it's not because of oh, like they don't respect me. That's why they can't send me that video about like an open mic's happening or something like that. It's literally just that they're like, oh yeah, I'll do it later. And then I just fucking forget always. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's definitely, it's not because like they're they're being shitty about it. I think, yeah, it's like maybe, yeah, they're, there's a, not even lack of leadership. I think like maybe lack of example, like that, oh, someone else is like, like keeps doing it oh i don't want to be worse than that kind of guy and then i just also mm. kind of do it maybe that's like there's just no rhythm but i think also it's on us to figure out a different strategy to sure. get that for example that content like which for which for us has always been kind of a struggle we could go like three weeks without posting anything on any social media channel and people are like hey do you guys still exist <laughs> and uh and then we're like hey guys oh we need to put out some videos and stuff and actually what we should be doing i think uh like here on out like get somebody like delegate someone or literally get someone like a fucking intern or something and they go to like open mics like they take a comedian uh, like by the hand and just be like I need you to say this and this like give me a little video kind of just figure out like kind of like hack the ways of like getting stuff you need from them because they're willing to give it mm. they're just like they cannot plan on how to de- deliver that I feel it can be. And do they completely understand and intrinsically get their place in the bigger picture? Yeah. You know, have we done the best job we can as leaders for them to get that? Yes. I mean, we, but there could always be more. So, yeah, could that be? And that's, you know, yeah, that, that's not even like just trying to, yeah, nail them down, talk into the camera or take a photo or, yeah. or something like that. I, I, and it does, it'll eventually seep into the culture. I guess we've got enough of a culture now that, um, people will tend to post before a mic, but not every one of them now, but most shows or, to remind them um also the group working within the group like uh when we have someone's solo show and let's say we need help selling that solo show 
And then we'll say in the office, like, well, no one's posting about it. We haven't heard much about it. What I'll say to, to Henrik is like, we can't go to the other comedians and say, post about that person's solo show. The comedian needs to go to their friends, the other comedians, and mm-hmm. say, can you please post about my show? Yeah. It's not like that will work much better in the end rather than us telling comedians to do it. Comedians telling comedians yeah. to do it. But then wouldn't the comedian be like, why am I doing your job? Not doing your job, not yeah. at all. No, well, that that's clearly some bad attitude that we've got to get rid of. Yeah. That it's all of us together. That the comedy Estonia or comedy Latvia is not an instant success button. It absolutely is not. It is a starting point and a springboard. Yeah. And we can help you and we will guide you but it's going to come from you. For sure. So it's got to, you know, and that these messages, I know they need to hear. They haven't heard enough Yeah. down here, right? It's not an instant button. Like, we will help you. It's a guide. It's a starting platform, but we cannot make a star out of someone who does not want to be or isn't going to do that work. Yeah. To do that. And I think that's also a very good point of, like, maybe communicating better or maybe helping to figure out what is that extra work besides just writing the material and getting on stage because i think in theory they're like uh i get it yeah i should write like twitter and stuff but it's like but it could be so much more it could so it could be so much more different and way less painful if that is not your natural platform like maybe it is like doing like little dopey videos like in your car or something like that that could definitely be an asset and i think that's also why it's so important to get someone here on the ground and have that kind of mentorship kind of qualities with um in talking with them because um they have all this potential and i feel like just like a proud mom looking i'm like i know you can do this like just like if you put your mind to it um but yeah like literally that someone being like okay let's like get this all on paper like figure out what are you actually good at like what do you feel comfortable in doing extra mm-hmm. and just pushing that out because I, th- I feel like yeah for a bunch of them it's like i don't get social media i don't know how to do it um i just kind of like want to do my own thing that's cool but then that's not how you can i think like move forward with your career you do have to have that presence like otherwise we'll just spend a shit ton of money on marketing and you're not going to get anything back oh. kind of actually from- incidentally when my my girlfriend looks at me and I know that look that comes from her, which is sort of like evaluating whether this man in front of her is fit to raise children <laughs> as, you know, will, as is the instinct, let's say. Uh, and I, you know, I've gotten, all I can do is just go, well, look, for the last six years, I kind of raised Daniel. Uh, I look, I appreciate <laughs> that's not completely relevant experience, but it's somehow relevant uh, <laughs> that there's something I've got some some level of relevant what experience. You, what, so, in what the was area. the starting point with Daniel? What was Daniel six years? So, just to give us a bit. More oh, context. because I met Daniel. I went to give a talk in his high school. So oh, really? When he was still in the year ten, even or something. And they asked the English teacher asked me to come and give a talk in English. I mean, this is even more than six years ago. So, you're yeah. still like, oh, you speak English? Come and speak at our school. That's how little. Yeah. There was around, and yeah, Daniel was there that day, and then I don't know how we made contact afterwards, and he came to a mic and. Before long, we were giving him free beers when he was, you know, 16 and 17. And that's helped him today. <laughs> yeah, that um, that things take much longer than they seem. And I know they've taken a long time here for sure. But I mean, with that, I've encouraged the comedians as well to... You've got to have some second channel or some second place. Some second way that you are broadcasting yourself or getting it out there or being known for... But that that isn't always as easy as it seems. Yeah. Um, I know from my 
personal experience now trying to get second stuff going with the retro stuff and even the podcast and how long that takes to grind away to get somewhere with it uh in estonia you've got um okay eventually i mean it took i mean it took though like Ari and, and Mikhail to become the most famous podcasters in Estonia for us to realize like, oh yeah, oh, this might be a good thing <laughs> that some of our, some of other of us should try it as well. And then yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, Dan and Roger got somewhere, Carl and Arda got somewhere. Um, so you guys just dominating the top three. No, not <laughs> quite. No, no, no. But the three of them are always in the top 15 or something. Mm-hmm. It goes up and down um, depending on how often they post and stuff like that. But um, yeah, that, finding like you said finding that extra thing that they genuinely want to do is hard but it's a balance there because on the other hand if you don't want to do anything else you've got to be really good and the best example i have of that is sander who was so good that it's now six well he's on his sixth hour so it's not six years into comedy it's whatever years before that yeah so let's say eight years into comedy of being one or you know the top one or two stand-up comedians in Estonia. Only now is he starting a podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know because basically he was that good that he could you know get by or what to say not just financially but growing your brand fame whatever you want to call it on just stand-up. Yeah. Now I think when you find a second channel, it becomes like a multiplier. But wasn't wasn't he also big on like social media before? Or something? Okay, true. Well, during pandemic, not specific. Like he was big on social media, and I say this with respect, but big on social media only through being a comedian, mm-hmm. not specifically. Now, then pandemic came, and he did Sanders' cooking show, and that became very so true. Yeah. Okay, there was Sanders' cooking show before pandemic. I yeah. mean, before before the podcast, but still pandemic time. Nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just an example of someone, and because he didn't want to do anything else. Yeah, he's like, I just want to do stand up, and fine bro cool if you are that good at it and that proficient and growing in popularity and selling tickets right fucking on bro yeah but you know not everyone is sander and that's if anything been a i mean he's been a tremendous asset to us with his skill and his ability like i just you know the one of the first guys i met was just this fucking freak who would be you know super popular and super hard worker and super in stand-up But on the other hand, it's given some of the guys, I think, again, with the respect, like the wrong idea about what it takes to develop. Yeah, because he was just naturally... Like, naturally the, so good at yeah. it and didn't need anything else. Mm-hmm. And then it took Ari and Mikhail to be like, who are also both tremendous, but then to show us that if you actually do... How often thing, do you think you can find someone like that? Like, is it still possible to find someone like that? Like, do you see in the roster of comedians you now have someone also could like that's maybe mm. just starting out that they also have the potential to kind of jump on that or is it kind of like almost i don't want to say once in a generation kind of talent that uh, just pops up but i don't know it's hard to say i mean sando did he popped he was so like he's always been proficient he's always like he's always been able to write and write and write mm-hmm. and we did have conversations at the beginning because he would be like oh wrote 30 minutes of stand-up last month <laughs> and i'd be like don't tell that to me. Like, no, you didn't. You wrote 30 minutes, but you didn't write 30 minutes of stand-up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In that. But now I'm actually willing to think, like, maybe it was. Like, maybe he yeah. actually did. But I was like, don't piss off other comedians. <laughs> like, comedians will get pissed off when you say stuff like that to them because yeah. that's not how everyone else is going to work. I don't know. Um, okay, so could someone else come along with such a, a skill and progress quickly? Maybe. But he grinded away. I mean, we had those... He would do those uh, the four night tour. He would do the two Estonian shows. Yeah, 
every month. He grinded away. He did his 10, 15 every month and you know, built up his audience through that. So there was still a grind of, I don't know, three years at least till he mm. got his hour out. Like it didn't pop. I'm not trying to say he popped out fully formed. Yeah, 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 for sure. But certainly, you know, very fortunate that a talent like that came along in mm-hmm. the early days to help propel things. Um, yeah, so they... I, um, <laughs> you might like this. You mentioned we were talking about how do we sometimes relate to them like parents. I was sitting down having a beer with the Latvian guys here last week. Yeah. And when I was after a couple of beers, I started to think like to the Estonian guys, I'm a parent. To the Latvian guys, I'm a grandparent. No, I think you're just that stepdad who kind of just jumped like every now and then just kind of comes around for a birthday. <laughs> and oh no, sorry, not even a stepdad. What's that called? Like in a divorce? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, like that deadbeat dad. dad. Yeah, a little dad, bit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to go get a pack of cigarettes in Estonia just for a couple of months, guys. <laughs> you know, it just like come, comes back again. And it's like, Papa, Papa, tell us more stories. <laughs> yeah. Like, in Estonia, like the Estonian guys, they're like, they're like grown up kids now. Like they yeah. know what they're doing and they're like, they're fine, but they're a bit fucked up from dad. Yeah. Like yeah dad yeah. fucked them up a little bit, but they're, they're enough and they're all right. They're getting on with it. Louis, <laughs> like they absolutely adore you. Like whenever they have a chance to like, uh, like meet up, like have a drink or something, I will hear about it the next day. And it's going to be like, yeah, like we had such a nice chat with Louis. We kind of like, we wish he was here more often, kind of this and that. And I'm like, I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> I'm doing my best, my babies. <laughs> That's all right. And yeah, it's, uh, I've understood. Yeah, that it was real. Yeah, I, because of that um, exhaustion that I was feeling trying to run everything For before sure. I got everything, I just was like, oh. That yeah, and that's oh, another bus ride to Riga. Uh, yeah, <laughs> getting back to our previous conversation about not wanting to travel and yeah, 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 yeah. Because like at that. the beginning, like you guys, like came quite a lot, uh, mm. came down quite a lot. Especially at the beginning, we needed someone to like host and like show us how mics run. Uh, just kind of give an example. And I remember you also took. I even think for the first one, you took like Daniels and and Carl. And- yeah, yeah, they want it. They don't mind. Like again, it's the same thing. If I'm coming down, I could probably get and be like, hey guys, I got us a room. And yeah. shit, like I'm sure I could get on yeah. any given night two or three to come with me. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, but you know what? I think also like just just from how everything has grown grown up here without actually like real supervision, kind of like parental mm-hmm. supervision. It's I'm I, I I have to say it's nothing nothing short of a miracle. Like yeah. that we're still here, that we're still doing it. Um, that there's still like mics happening, there's like social shows happening, and uh, there's still kind of like this new energy around uh around it all because uh, yeah i feel like both me and edgar's now and then we're like checking out because we had like our own stuff going on and then we kind of check back in and then then we have yeah we've had like a little bit of drama like a few years back now we kind of came back like even at one point i remember like it was two years ago we were like um yeah let's just shut it all down like i don't have the headspace you don't have the time let's mm. just like tell Ivars that it's like all gonna, gonna go to shit and and that little motherfucker, he just like talk you out of firing him, firing him or that something was, like that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess that's all been and done, so we can talk about that. Right? It was we had Ivaz, who was our junior project manager here, and a young guy. And full credit to him, he was you know working for us, because um, it was just like crazy land. It was all chaos. Yeah. And mics were kind of here and there, being run haphazardly. 
what was you know we were not sure about the organization of them and Ivars came along and it straightened out those mics yeah and over time just a young guy who who hustled it up for us yeah um and yeah there was one stage where we were both pretty down on it yeah. I was in the middle of it being the hard period and I had come down to Riga to essentially tell Ivars look I don't think we're getting anywhere I think we got to just end this you know shake hands yeah. and you had it you did great and I'll give you whatever references you need but it doesn't look like we're getting anywhere. I, it's not your fault, brother. Yeah. You know, it's not, this is a leadership fault, not your fault. And I, we, yeah, we sat down at that cuff because I think it was just like, I, it was just rolling through. Like I, it was even just here just for the meeting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For some reason I'd come, yeah, anyway. And uh, we sat down at that cafe near the bus station and he was like, no, things are great. We're doing shows and things are good. And I went, no, I hadn't even said we we're going to do that. I was like, how things are going? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was like, things are great. Things are going well. Things are rolling. I was like, oh, oh, yeah. Well, well, good thing we're keeping this successful group going then. Yes. Good. And, uh, yeah. So I guess that shows we were so hands off. We were so. Yeah. But I want to hear in this conversation, give credit to you, though. You're the one that's kept it going over the last year and yeah. a half through pandemic that has you know kept the head above water, kept the finance. I don't know what's going on with the finances. You yeah. Kept yeah, the yeah. finances there. That we're just, you know, that there's this miracle now that there's money left in the company, that we actually have yeah. something to restart with this new manager yep. who's coming in. That's on you. So thank you for that. Yeah, no worries. Yeah. And I think it's just, it comes down to kind of, again, finding that that little hack in, in something like you do these things, you kind of grind away. I remember when we just started out, it was like super fun energy, like trying to like mm. organize all these things, talking to all these bars and places, like uh, just trying to get your foot in the door. And then later on, like when I stopped doing like stand up, it felt like okay, I need, I still want to be part of of like the like the scene. I feel it, I feel this is like a very like even historic kind of thing in in mm. the making, and it's like this is the first generation of like true like comedians, uh, like like going like like uh, growing up, and uh, yeah, and since I went into advertising, I went into like the creative space. Um, I just got all this knowledge, and also from working a lot of freelance uh for like um branding and stuff i figured oh like if we have like any brand kind of collaborations like we could get like some extra money for it because i can just like budget in all the stuff i'm just going to be doing it it looks like three people are going to be doing it but i just have like all the skill set anyway so i think it's and we were super super lucky the first time the pandemic hit we have such a good relationship with jameson shout out to jameson (laughs) (laughs) and um because that uh, that woman there, who's um, who's uh, who's the brand director of it, uh, um, she really loves the guys, and she really respects our relationship over the years. Hmm. And we did like a like a streaming show. It was like it was called mm-hmm. the Couch Experts, and it was like we did like all the graphics. All the guys were like like. Uh, like even had like a script like it was like in three parts it was like the first parts about like like they they had opinions on like new stuff then they had like different scenarios they would play out like different characters in the pandemic so it was like like this really big thing and we we got like like all like for me it was also important to get some kind of money to the guys at that point in time and i think even per episode everyone got like a few hundred bucks um so when we in total had like five episodes so that was like just like a miracle like and it was like a project for like two months or something so it was like really rolling and it was uh that was kind of great and then we kind of got into like just that's like why we got into um, 
these live streams and podcasting really fast we were like oh let's like do two different ones a week because everyone was just like we want to do something and mm -hmm. this is at least something and then we were shocked like people would really jump in it was like a thousand people like in the mm. live chat watching at the same time and all the graphics everything was like i let ivars kind of do his thing because i was like i don't have time to do more podcast stuff um yeah like if you just see the graphics and how things like pop up and everything it's kind of like kind of uh grungy let's say uh yeah but still people are tuning in they were sending like pictures on instagram like they're they would like like put it up on tv like finally like my my tuesday getaway or something hmm. like that kind of and it was it's just amazing to see like during that time and we also had like an example of this one guy who started doing like uh twitch uh but like he was started doing like dj sets or something on twitch he was like oh i thought twitch is dead dead mm. and yeah he even got like some of our comedians down they would do like uh <laughs> these collaboration sets and stuff so like during the pandemic i think we got way more creative um which i hope we can can kind of grow into a little bit later on but uh i do understand that people really are missing stand-up and really want to kind of kind of do their shows and go bigger even though like we are continuing our tour from from last year and i still have to convince people to do it i was like but we have all the marketing materials they're all done already we have all these videos when they're published uh, like marketing videos like for me on paper it just made so much so much sense just, let's just finish it and we can also like uh, shoot the video like shoot the special and everything but for the guys it was like yeah but that's like old material that's like old stuff i was like yeah but these like five cities like really need to see you guys like you weren't there like yeah last year and everything so yeah it's always finding like just to come back to that point it's always mm -hmm. finding those kind of hacks within this kind of business like yes we do primarily do stand-up but what are these other things and that's kind of also what um what i want the comedians to find like how can i still be creative how can i still be funny and witty because i feel like i found that in advertising in copywriting like people like I, i've literally worked all over the world just because I can write a funny, funny script for like a car ad or something <laughs> like that. That's like mm. such a valuable skill. And that's how I channeled kind of like that kind of humor I kind of wanted to to see, which wasn't on stage anymore. But uh, yeah, and also just kind of circling back to what I mentioned about you uh you having that talk with polyus and him also saying about like oh yeah i'm really into quiz so we did all these like quiz nights and everything i feel like yeah the guys could yeah just find a little bit more of like like what are other passions i have and how can i combine that with humor with with comedy like for example like Balinch and edgar sorry Balinch and kugrans both of them are really into sports so i've seen them do, do like a lot of sports stuff um like kind of like funny sports commentary things so mm. Yeah, I think there's more space to find uh, creative ways of expressing yourself. Yeah, there is. Um, and that's why, yeah, you guys have done so well with the, getting them into uh, doing paid work with brands. Because we in Estonia, we don't do paid work with brands very well. That's just something that came into our culture. I know I talked about that in the, the podcast with, uh, with Polius that, you know, Sander's extremely independent. I was, I am, I still am very independent. So we sort of never got, there in our group culture where it's it's very nice that that's something that it's fine here like sure they don't mind putting jameson there the guys are like oh we don't care put you know put jameson yeah. on stage with us we don't mind yeah We're just telling you you mean we, we get paid for that cool. yeah, yeah that's legit too and that's a good good attitude for them to have like you know every artist has to work out what does selling out 
mean to yeah, them. Yeah, you you want to know how far Jameson is going for our guys? Kugrats is gonna. He has a wedding on. I think it's September eleventh. Mm-hmm. He even asked Jameson for uh, for alcohol uh-huh. for the wedding, and he said, "I'm gonna do like a nice photo mm-hmm. for you guys with like all my bachelor guys." So even it like even huh. goes that far of like that's how comfortable they are with like this brand integration. They're like, oh, I can just get free booze. Okay. And that's great. And I and I, when I say it's great, I mean like it's great for them. Yeah. And like because I know that's something that we couldn't do. So but that's fine. And I, when I say it's great, I don't mean to say like oh yeah. if someone doesn't want to do that, they're stupid. Not at all. Mm. Like everyone's got their own feeling, and um, it's good that they're. Uh... Okay, jokes. Um. That there were these different things for them to do, and that's what we're hoping to do. Getting by because the the idea that we're hiring this person now is that they're going to be a partner in Comedy Latvia. We're not just hiring another junior producer as good as so. And and you again credits you. You were the one who said, "Hey, maybe let's not hire a senior a junior person. Why don't we bring on a senior partner who can actually run this shit?" And I was like, yeah. Oh, yeah, "Yeah, that's a really fucking good idea, actually." I th- yeah, that's also something I've been telling people at interviews and stuff it's like we've operated so much on a gut feeling mm. like oh maybe let's do this now and maybe let's try this that and it's and it's also not fair i think to the guys uh, to the business like mm. to the comedy scene that we can't do all of this full-time mm. and it's really like to find that critical kind of step and like step back and say kind of like what you keep saying like oh i took a step back from being ceo and kind of let someone else kind of uh, kind of shine and bring the the company to like a new direction and uh, we're just like strengthen it, strengthening it but uh, yes yeah, so kind of the same thing here it's mm. like I really don't need to be uh, in front of everything I could if you just give me like the possibility to just do the brand and mm. like just do the thing I'm really interested about in this company I'll be happy sure. like anyone else can like kind of grind and do all the day to day and really push it because definitely all the ingredients are there we just need someone to be the cook and we have and we've had to I, I think in that part of our interview process it was about seven or eight people we talked to yeah I think was that we're trying to prod them is like how much are you down with our company culture how much it was other experienced producers of stand-up and other things as well and we were trying to prod them on like well how would you see this situation and you kind of see that yeah it wasn't quite you know some people were very commercialistic some people were very much into you know may more with brands and deeply mm-hmm. uh, one person had deeply worked with with uh, musicians and it, it does seem like in general musicians seem to be more fine with making deeper integrations with brands yeah where there is still a level that stand-ups are at like it's still me telling my personal thoughts on stage there's some level where the brand collaboration will have to just inherently stop yeah where artists seems that they have some way i don't know they can kind of go further with it as a musician yeah um and so some people will really like yeah we need more deeper 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 brand collaborations no. Um, and and we were sort of like, uh, no, we respect that. That's fine. But that's not also quite yeah the vision of what I think. Us to what be. also normalizes it is like if you look uh, like just to the states or like the UK, or whatever. Like there's these really great collaborations where like big artists, like you would have like Jay Z or Serena Williams or like you, like Jerry Seinfeld, whatever. Like do these ads or mm. something, and they're like they're funny, they're interesting, they're like high quality, and that's I think kind of the hope for like celebrities or like 
artists here to kind of like okay i'll do a collaboration in hopes that it's gonna be like good quality i'm not gonna yeah. be embarrassed even though 80 percent of the time it's like shit but but, they, but that's also those artists are established already yeah and that's the big difference that none of our artists really even Kugrens and, and Balinch are not quite at that level yet mm-hmm. that they're so super established that they go like I mean those names that you spoke of they're Jay-Z yeah, Jerry yeah, yeah. Sign, okay obviously the biggest ones but they're going in with bigger brand names than the brand they're pushing almost yeah yeah, you know, yeah. Jerry Seinfeld's talking for Hyundai well <laughs> it's pretty I don't know I'd argue it's pretty fucking even even who's the bigger brand yeah, there, yeah, right yeah. so and, and and right the difficulties come when a young artist works with a big brand and they're inherently the big gorilla in the room. Yeah. So it's easy for the gorilla to step on you in that. Kind of, yeah. But it's I think it's also like for for these brands, like they are looking for new talent. They are they mm-hmm. want to do something different. Um, and that's also, I think, what we've had the luck of doing because I can be a little bit more in control of like what is the content we put out. And mm-hmm. it's not always necessarily like com- complete shit. Um, but, um, but yeah, I see, I see where, what do you, what do you mean? But I wouldn't say that it's like them boosting us. I think the thing is they see more, they see us more like actors for them. It's almost like, oh, like I'll just get like a funny actor because most of the time we don't necessarily put comedy Latvia to it. We kind of literally just give the guys as actors, despite like uh, the only example, uh, Mm -hmm. exception being Jameson, where we would like maybe have some boxes to say Jameson like mm. for the tour yep, yep, or yep. something like that yeah that's fine and I absolutely define that difference that uh, in Estonia when someone comes to me and says Lewis we want Lewis to be in the video or something I'm like do you want are you just want me to be an actor yeah. or do you want me to be Lewis Zezeran and they're very if you just want me to be an actor sure I almost don't give a shit you know yeah, yeah, yeah. unless it's something completely egregious that I'm not really Wait, down didn't with didn't you do like a uh, like a telenovela or something Nutella novella? No, telenovela, kind of like a like a what's it called? Like a Spanish drama or something. There was kind of like a Oh, very... in the early days I got some bit parts on some different shows yeah, here yeah, and yeah. there that still rock up. And then even even in in Finland I was on a TV show like one series called Yussi for like I was the foreign guy who steals the girl away of from the Yeah, of course Finnish writers <laughs> made that. And eventually I go crazy and kidnap her. But even like years later, I was still at some like festival in Finland, and somebody was like, "Hey, yo, I remember you from show." Give her back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, I was like, "Dude, that was in like three episodes. How did you first of all? Fuck. Um, how did you know?" So, um, yeah, let's just take a we'll take a quick break. Sure, no worries. Uh, Rayleigh's downstairs, and we'll come back to this. Um, yeah, so they didn't know what they had. So they sold me this thing and now I've made a bunch of videos about it. It's how I founded, basically founded my YouTube channel is making videos about this rare yeah. Sega Master System. And it got me, I did all this research about the Soviet Union and how they would have sold it. And, yeah. And I do, learned, do you like follow all like the data and stuff? Like what, like from where people are watching kind of like your videos, like your... Uh, not so much. No. No. Um, you think it's just Estonians? With the podcast, well, I, the podcast, yeah, I, I see the using anchor for, mm-hmm. because it's the first free good podcasting service do you know have you heard yeah, of anchor yeah. yeah because spotify wants uh spotify bought it and because spotify is everything podcast now joe rogan and everything yeah so they essentially bought this podcast host and made it free yeah because it used to be about you probably you used to have to spend like 100 euros a year yeah to get podcast hosting and now yeah that's what we did also spotify destroyed that market by yeah. making anchor free 
Oh shit! Okay, so you you just put it on Anchor and it directly goes to Spotify and also to other places like podcast. Yep. Okay, because the way podcasting works is there's the host, yeah, and then there's the directories. Mm. So you, there's always a host, which for us used to be Podbean, mm-hmm. and then it gets pushed to Spotify. Yeah, to yeah iTunes, that's what we're using now, Podbean. Podbean, right, yeah. right. Anchor replaces that. Oh shit! And there's a okay. deep integration with Spotify, but it'll absolutely still push you to iTunes to can all the you, other ones. Can you transfer stuff from Podbean to yes. Anchor? That's what we did. Yeah. Oh yeah. shit! Did we also and it'll do that? suck in, it'll suck in all your own episodes. And we had like even some technical glitches. And I work with Anchor staff. Like I got deep into. I had a real technical problem. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I got a real high-level engineer working with me uh, oh, on damn. a particular issue. So they were really good because yeah, yeah it's a, it's Spotify. They want everyone to have a podcast. Damn. And that was the big problem that it cost everyone 100 euros a year. Yeah, 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 yeah. And um, yeah, so I know through Anchor that it's mostly Estonians and some people in America mm-hmm. listening to my that. But the videos, the, the retro videos I'm doing are mostly meant for international people for the retro gaming community mm-hmm. internationally. And I know some Estonians watch and even when I stream on Twitch, it's mostly some Estonian people because otherwise who the fuck would know who yeah, I am? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's fine. Oh that, man, but you should cool. like put like links on Reddit or something to those. Yeah, I do. I, I put my videos, yeah. I share them to Reddit and that gets me some more views mm. that way. Nice. Um, and I've been fortunate enough to make some friends in the retro community who are more well-known than me. So they help where they, they sometimes talk about my stuff too. Mm. Very, nice. I'm very fortunate for that. Um, but that was, yeah. I mean, how did I make friends in the retro community? Just message them and say, you want to make a podcast? Yeah. And um, yeah, that's a great way to, to network. Is and to, like they're just open to it. Yeah, I mean, most people are pretty cool. Like, just, hey, would you like to record a podcast with me? Because when I was in New York and I met this guy, Bob, who's great, and I said, look, uh, I don't want to waste your time. I hired a room for 50 bucks an hour or something. But, you know, we got to record a podcast with him and I got to meet him and he's a cool guy and um, a few other people like that. So it's actually, it's it's a career advice that I give to people. I met this woman the other day when I was in, in Lithuania and uh, she's a uh, Jamaican, I think. Okay. Let, let's say. Uh, and she'd lived in, in, in Lithuania for five, six, seven years or something. Got a, uh, it was a, a doctor's or whatever, a postdoc or what, a doc, doctor's. Yeah, mm. what do you say? Yeah. yeah. In uh, HR. Okay. Which is already a bit like, what? Why do you need a, why do you need to be a doctor of HR? But anyway, she's like, well, I'm having problems. Um, uh, making networking as well. She's a foreigner, which is certainly not helping in those things. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, if you have no credibility in a field, make a podcast, right? And then what you do is the first of all, you you interview whoever you know, maybe even your professor. That'll do. Get your professor because the professor is probably somebody know. Get anyone that you might know, get them on. Mm-hmm. Then reach out to next level and be like, hey, I've got five, 10 episodes. Um, hey, person from big company who's HR manager. Uh, would you like to come on? Here's yeah. the thing. It's all legit. And then you meet them. And then not only do you get the credibility from because you've interviewed that person, yeah. but then you know them. They know they've talked. You've talked with them for an hour. Yeah. yeah so yeah. all of a sudden you do that. You've just know now HR people. You've just increased your network. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, straight up. So it's like, I think it's a very effective tool for networking for people who are trying to like jumpstart their career in something. Yeah. 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 Maybe it's not even as important how many people mm. listen to the podcast. It's who you talk to and just have that credibility of a, a Right. Okay. And, and, and like I was saying to you, with this podcast, while I eternally respect everyone who's listening to this podcast, one of the primary reasons for not talking about this is because this podcast will become great for our new 
uh, general manager to yeah, listen yeah, yeah. to. It'll be great for the Estonian team to listen to. So I do know that these podcasts are often used. Uh, if if this is a way, uh, like this really indirect way that I can speak to my group and speak to my managers, like, yep. cool, I'll record a podcast about it. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, that's what they'll what people will listen to right on. So yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's also mm. easier to digest than mm. like some because the the place I'm working at I'm going to be working at now from September they sent me a fucking book they have a like <laughs> the, one of the co-founders to be honest it's it is quite interesting but mm. I'm so used to like audiobooks and like podcasts and stuff <laughs> I'm I I asked them could they send me a PDF and I'm gonna like push it through like one of those like text to audio <laughs> things just so I can have it in the background <laughs> they so you so much don't want to read a book yeah. <laughs> just, <laughs> trying to like work Mary around it, it and, and, but, uh, because you just need the headspace like for a book you need to really sit down relax I don't have that time like I need to keep doing stuff like I love it like when I'm when I'm driving when I'm cleaning my house I just like like get some knowledge get some information like what's happening in Afghanistan oh that's horrible you know just like washing dishes <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. Like how, what are these better ways as leaders? I make, you see them, I make the videos as well. Once, not once a week, but once every few weeks now for yeah. the comedians, 10 minutes, talk about something. Um, it, it, that, you know, that is a way that I can give the comedians some insight into what's happening. I don't think that's going to be such a big problem for the new comedy Latvia manager because the group is so small. Yeah. You need to do those things as your group grows. Yeah. Um, and I think as leaders to provide those videos or do some podcast or some other way that the people in your company and your group can get that information. And like you said, yep. everyone's got their own little bit away. But I think at first, um, probably the one-on-ones at the mics are going to be the best yeah. way for for this new person to communicate and connect with, with the comedians. Yeah, for sure. Oh. I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to them coming to Estonia as well for a night or two. Yeah. Seeing what we do up there. Um, The enthusiasm. Because now, okay, yeah, John Lacombs is booked for November. So there's an English show that's going to happen. He's super pumped. He's bringing an opener as well from America. So there's two Americans yeah can come we've got some international show john cleese might come in 2029 or something I don't know, <laughs> but oh, at art the center yeah Arta. yeah yeah so oh yeah i went down to art the center and um it's absolutely doable mm-hmm. i don't think it's a good place for traditional stand-up yeah um in that it's a big conference hall but john cleese is not traditional stand-up he's you know he's got technicals he's got we need screens we need lights we need mm-hmm. all kinds of shit like that so it's not is it, is it gonna be like is it gonna come down like bill bailey with like two buses or something <laughs> i don't know how much gear he's actually the traveling with they they will travel on a private jet oh, or a charter <laughs> jet at least so yeah, whatever yeah. gear fits into there but i yeah. don't think there's significant most of the tickets they just need projectors and tv screens and i'm expected to find all that locally yeah. and that's actually the other thing after center have all that tech already and they have technicians so i don't mind paying more that's not the problem the problem is at Congress Center, there's no one. It's just yep. some weird old Russian guys. You yeah, know. yeah, like bring your own translator, like you said. Oh, <laughs> my God. And uh, the the booth, the, whatever, the sound booth, engineering booth at the back of Congress looks like Sputnik. Yeah. Looks like a Russian launch site from the 1970s. Like yeah. Like how old it looks. <laughs> Having said that, even if Arta Center has, you know, they're great people, it seems. They've got technicians on site. they got all their shit. I would still want to put stand up into Congress, yeah, because it's still a hall, it's still a theater, yeah, to do stand up. So again, respect to Arta Center. I don't think it's a place for traditional 
stand up i think you know big international acts yeah who have a certain style and rhythm can absolutely do it but i don't know i don't want to do stand up in a conference hall yeah yeah yeah, for right? sure i want to do it in a theater i want to be connected to people yeah yeah yeah. the congress the Cong. so the congress said if, if you don't know it's the um i would say almost the main hall in in riga really or the main part you know, it's yeah it's like one step before you have to go to the arena yeah and do like a like a what's it i think the minimum is like three thousand five hundred seats i think in sure. a, something in like the that. arena in the yeah, arena yeah yeah, yeah. That, yeah like yeah which i never wanted to do we haven't done an arena and because that was also another push that's coming from the Americans. Like, bigger hole. What do you mean there's only 1,800 seats? Do yeah. a fucking arena if you want, Louis C.K. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, no, it's just a freaking tin can. <laughs> Why? It's not good. It's not good. <laughs> no, yes, we can pay some high-priced engineers, but then everyone's going to have to spend friggin' 80 euros a ticket to yep. afford all of that to sit 3,000 people in a tin can. No, no. Yep. Yeah, was that also something why you would... Not that you didn't know Bill Burr was going to be big, but mm-hmm. that n- not like choosing to do two shows instead of like doing it in like the arena, or did that just the or was it just by accident that that kind of happened to be? Oh, we're just going to be doing two shows there because we didn't right. know how. Okay, as people said, um, yeah, I, I I think look, it sounds very obvious now, but I think I was being extremely conservative mm-hmm. with thinking that it would just be one show in there. But I really don't want to do the arena. I'll I will push them for multiple nights rather than. And if they're like, no, he will only do the arena. Well, then it'll be like, okay, then you got the high price ticket. Then the risk would go up, and I would just pass on the offer. But um, how big is the biggest venue you do with the Estonian guys? Wasn't it also kind of like arena-ish almost? Uh, the biggest room in Estonia is the Alexla. Is it still called Alexla? Or is it the Nokia Hall? Or whatever the fuck it's called these days. The yeah. Tallinn Concert Hall, which is maximum 1,800 okay. seats. Um, and then after that, you'd have to go to the Hockey Hall, the Sakulso mm-hmm. Hall, which would be the 3,000 thing. Um, we've only played that once because the finances don't really work out on it. Mm-hmm. So we have another venue in Tallinn called the Russian Culture Center. Yeah. And it's got half the size, but one fifth of the rent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we'll just turn out 800 a night at the Russian Culture Center for one fifth yeah. of the rent. Now, are there reasons why you want to do that big hole? Sure. You want to make a splash. You want to make a big scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've done it once and, you know, it got noticed. It was the thing. Hey, Comedy Estonia guys are finally doing the big hole yeah. themselves. Um, we haven't done it since, but we have uh, two nights for Ari Mati book there, okay. which is a huge audacious goal yeah. booked um, for for January. And fuck knows how that's gonna go. Yeah. Um, but that's but you make that choice specifically because we want to show the artist in this bigger place. Yeah. And to make you know two nights at there, that's you know that's some big dick swinging kind yeah, yeah, of yeah, maneuver yeah. at this stage we think that's the best thing for the artist to do yeah it's not necessarily it's definitely not a financial decision yeah okay do you think that's something we should also look into the future for for example like some guys here like just to kind of also do it once like just do a big splash kind of show off thing versus kind of being more intimate and doing more shows in like smaller venues hmm I think that that decision may already be made for us because Congress is closed until 2023 or something Mm -hmm. like that. 
So who would be? I mean, basically, be Krugans, Krugans. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, you know, would would we want to get his tour big enough? And then, so what you've got to do then is like starve Riga of shows. So rather than having fucking ten at Carsons at two hundred seats or some shit like this, mm-hmm. then you starve Riga of shows and do one big one at the end. Um, part of, one of the reason many shows is good because there's many different nights, so people are busy. You got one big show. Someone's busy on that night. They can't come. Yeah. Got many shows. Many opportunities for different people to come. Uh, I I can't see it yet. I can't see that big ticket reason yet. I just think it would be if we could just turn over five, six, seven shows at Cosons or something at two hundred yep. a seat. That would be tremendous. Yeah. That would be just getting people through the door right now for that show, rather than saying. We've got the biggest splash in the biggest venue. Yeah. And as I said, that decision is probably made for us because Congress is closed until 2023, at least if they pull their finger out of their ass and yeah. get it done. Yeah. So we don't even have that choice for two more years anyway. Yeah. So I would say let's reevaluate that in three years once the manager's rolling, once tours are rolling, once yeah. the whole thing is in. Also, another question, like, there was, like, a fair point Alex made the other day about, like, yeah, I'm seeing, like, how many shows, like, the Estonians are doing during the summer, during the during uh, autumn tour, spring tour, whatever. Mm-hmm. It's, like, during a tour, it's, like, 40, 50 shows or something like that. And to be fair, we do, like, 14 for our autumn tour. And for us, it's kind of the reasoning is, yeah, but now we're going, like, this is the first time we're going outside Riga in these, like, concert venues, not in, like, a small dingy bar um, in, like, buttfuck nowhere. And it's, like, we already have to push more to, like, sell the tickets and there's, like, marketing that goes in. We, like, can't really, um, like, sell more, like, at this point. Like, and then my question to you guys would be, how did you establish that presence outside of like Tartu and and Tallinn where like and is it also because some of these cities are just as big as Tallinn it's not like Tallinn just dominates rest of Estonia because I sometimes it feels a little bit like that's what's like that's what's happening here like Riga is just like so massive like half of the population is here Mm -hmm. that's like everything kind of around just feels like like um like a weird push I think my view is a little bit skewed here because I really only know Riga but if I've understood the statistics correctly, which I'm not sure I have, Riga, like you said, like are more Latvian people in Riga. I, I suspect there's slightly, not much, slightly more Latvian people in Riga than there are Estonian people in Tallinn with the, you know, I think Estonians might still be a little bit more spread across the countryside, mm-hmm. but I don't think that's enough to explain what you're talking about. Yeah. I think it's literally grinding away over the years. It's the grind, it's the grind that... We did the um, you know, spring Sanders tour. So we had definitely always had Sanders tour in the spring. We would branch out to one, always on every tour, branch out to one or two new cities. And we knew they were the risky ones. Cool. We understood going into and that. How, and like how, like how many seats would that be? Um, I don't, it usually comes down to what's available in that town. Mm-hmm. So if we're going to looking at the south of Estonia, there's a place called Otepa. There's really only the Otepa Kuturikeskus for mm. 200 or so seats that's that's it um but in that region sort of everything within 45 minutes or an hour of each other in there you've got 
Otepak, Katurikeskis for 200, Pulva, Katurikeskis, which is maybe like 300, 400, mm-hmm. um, depending on how we could possibly cut that down. That's one of those two big Soviet halls. Um, there will be one or two really cool bars and venues around, you know, just weirdly placed. Yeah. Uh, we've got a place in Turva. Um, that holds, which is in the south of Estonia, holds about 100, 120. And they're just cool guys that make in a cool place that always want us back. And we're kind of happy to take mm-hmm. almost any show there. Um, so every tour, finding one or two new places and taking a risk on that. And we all understand, hey, we don't know. And yeah. hell, maybe that's the show that we'll need to put abnormally extra. Have you have you into. had like not like, but like 10 people show up or something at like nah. a new place? Not really. We always do a big push and we try and that's what we... What would that push be? Would it be just like, oh, we did like pat, like some paid ads on like Facebook or something? Or would it be like Sanders like doing a little video about that town and kind of trying to push that? A bit or? of both. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, maybe we directly... These days, we rely much more on the comedians' individual social media accounts. They've been built up enough. Sander, Ari, Mikhail, even you know Roger through his video, Dan, they can all post... When they all post together, it becomes quite a storm of information mm-hmm. of, of going around. So we built up that the the Comedy Estonia account is not the it's no all those guys have bigger social medias than Comedy Estonia. Mm-hmm. So they artists need to individually build their thing. The brand will not be bigger than them like just in raw numbers on social mm-hmm. media. So finding new individual towns, I think, is one thing. Always taking a risk building it up tour by tour the other thing is that because we've had so the history of the summer tour summer tour started because it was me and marion back in the day and we got exhausted after spring tour and then we said oh i don't want a summer we're having summer off mm-hmm. and then the guys are like yeah but we want to do shows and we went okay you guys go organize some shows mm-hmm. so summer tour had been traditionally always this thing organized by the comedians themselves mm-hmm. so they would do little bars and we'd help them out like not just you know not get in their way but because it wasn't a proper tour and it was summer where we know people are much more distributed around the countryside they could afford to take risks on some bumfuck bar some small little place they don't have to do the full theater mm-hmm. they can do the you know we go to the island in Kurosada and there's the Uim venue which you can pack maybe 40 50 out the back if mm-hmm. you know ugh, real tight yeah, yeah, yeah and they can they could take these risks on going to all these little towns. So the summer tour always was this experimental tour yeah. where we try, again, trying new towns at even much lower risk. Again, we're not even trying to go to the theater in that so, town. And are they sharpening material then for autumn tour? Uh, traditionally in our group, summer tour has been a separate set. Mm-hmm. But I understand that our crew turns over material probably abnormally fast. And do you think that's because of uh, like way more open mics? Could be. That could be a factor. I think also that we plan, we because we developed this routine, which was Sanders tour before pandemic, Sanders tour in the spring, summer tour in summer, autumn tour, and then there was a chance to fit another tour in. Mm-hmm. Comedians could kind of know, already make some guesses about what they would have to do and plan ahead for that. Mm-hmm. I know I'm going to need a new... 15 for that so i'm gonna or um you know they they had some idea over the next 18 to 24 months yeah how much material they would need so they could work towards that and plan because in that. a tour um someone's also headlining right 
Would that change or? So in a tour that well, sorry, in a um, Sanders tour, well, that's his solo show, yeah. right? But in in summer tour and even autumn tour, there's no headliner. Okay, it rotates. Okay. Um, we okay. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Let me be more precise. In summer tour, it's a complete rotation. So they they just they will just change everybody in every order. I'm pretty sure. Okay, and and everyone does like a 15 minute set or yeah. something like that. Okay. Autumn tour is a bigger thing in theaters, and what we've done there is we've actually defined a subgroup in course. So Sander, Ari, and Mikhail, we've defined them as a little bit different because their names are the essentially still the ones that sell tickets. Mm-hmm. And well, we've understood that as a business, if you sell tickets, you need to your name is bringing in people. Therefore, you deserve a greater share of that money. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we've got different ratios that we now use based off that. And the way that we call the fairness is like, those guys sell tickets. When your name sells tickets, you will also be in So that you group. don't do it like, because how we do it, we do it like there's a percentage by the amount of minutes you've been on stage. Sure. And that could be, that could be, I mean, that could also reflect that because if Balinch is doing more minutes, if he's better, so he's doing more minutes, then he gets more money. Mm-hmm. That is also another way that sort of gets you towards that goal yeah. as well. But with Autumn Tour, um, the way that we structured it was that of the three, um, last Autumn Tour was Sander was hosting and then Ari and Mikhail would swap closing the first half and closing the show. Mm-hmm. Um, because we know people were recognizing those three names first mm-hmm. and then they got a higher percentage of the you know can i ask uh, you a practical thing like sure. just logistics uh-huh. how are you driving like or how are they driving themselves to all these places that's like that's why for example we have like um like a f- the full crew perform in riga and then everywhere else except except this story which is like just an exception we just need people to go um we will have like only four comedians go because we would fit we would fit one evars like who would drive mm. everyone and like and it's just a cost thing it's like sure. okay what what's another thing we could scale down on oh like transportation we just have like the manager driving there um so we'd, how, we'd how have we... multiple cars going mm-hmm. so sander has sander has a company car like it's not a great car it's just some old volvo banger but we the company we got him a car and that car is financed through shows mm-hmm. and company money and stuff like that and so there's another car We've got a few other drivers as well. I mean, also we've got more admin team. Mm-hmm. It's me, I've got a car. Hela's got a car. Henrik's got a car. Merrily's got a car. Mm-hmm. Roger drives. Dan just got a license. Besides that, it's pretty... So so would that be that for either autumn tour or like summer tour, you would take, like say, let's say up to like seven comedians or something to yeah. like a place? It has been a... Certainly when you start to get three cars going to a venue, we have understood yeah. that that starts to blow out the cost. But I don't think we could get less than two cars going somewhere. Yeah. And we just accept that. Now, I don't know, is it different for us? Are we playing bigger venues so there's more income? Yeah. So the extra petrol for an extra car isn't a thing, I suspect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that's, might be That's it. been a thing, yeah, When yeah. we go to Villani, we're playing 400 seats. Yeah. So, okay. Even though yeah, yeah, yeah. For, for us, this is like the... This is fun. This is the first tour yeah. we're actually doing like concert halls. Yeah. Um, so then this is like the 200, 300 seat places. And since we're also doing one a night and uh, not like several, mm. then, um, yeah. And, and there's also just this thing of like the comedians really don't want to drive. Cause they're like, 
I want to go there afterwards. We want to just like celebrate that we're here doing a tour and I really don't want to drive. So then there, then there's like, okay, if we can't have someone from the admin team driving them, we li- literally need to get someone like, hey, uh, does anyone have a buddy with a car that can just kind of do it? And we've had, had that situation multiple times. So I'm mm. also quite surprised that Saunders is like, oh yeah, like we got this car and I'm super willing to drive everywhere and not have like a beer or something afterwards. Sure. Okay. Now, okay. So little specifics of that. Sander doesn't have a license. His oh. girlfriend would drive everywhere. <laughs> okay. 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 So all credit to, to Helica and, and the effort that she's put in over the years. So there's that. But certainly that, that makes sense as well. Okay. You got to drive somewhere. You're a bit exhausted. This mm. is, uh, there's some balance that has to exist there. I agree. It, you can be exhausting to drive there as the performer um you know hopefully maybe you're not the host or someone in charge if you can drive there and then chill out for two hours maybe that's okay yeah um so yeah and and if they just don't have a license they don't have a license that can be another thing getting a car can be difficult we've actually done the sums now and like if it's like within an hour it almost makes sense to get a bolt drive Mm -hmm. or city b or whatever you guys have the same ones right that's now another because even to get a, sometimes we'll go get a rental car, but even that you got to go pick it up and do mm-hmm. the forms, then return it and shit. Sometimes we just go buy a rental car, 30, 40 bucks for the night. Yeah. That will get the job done if we need to. Um, yeah, I think it's about rotation. I think it's about balance. And I think it's about presenting the reality to the comedians. Like if we don't, if some of us don't drive, you know, once or twice, yeah. this is the limit of what we can do. So yeah. how do we get this together? And, it can't also be like admin can't always be finding our friends yeah. to drive or, or something like that. How are we going to... It's a broader thing. I, I think it's something we would need to sit down and look at the cities we want to do. Yep. Look at the number of comedians we want to have on these shows. What do we want from this tour? And then how do we make that happen? Oh, that's going to need two cars. Okay. Now, if we can't find a way through all of us chipping in to make two cars work, then... Our con- we're back to four people. Is yeah. that what we want? Yeah. Or are we willing to put in that extra effort? I think that with all things, it's just stopping and having this broader view. So making a plan, where do we are we going to get where we want to go with only having four per people on this show? Yeah. Maybe, maybe not. And then looking longer at it and then and recognizing your effort and saying, we're not going to rely on you for everything. Here's how we're going to try and balance it. Possibly. Yeah. It's not quite straight up easy answers there yeah have you ever tried or i don't know like because we were we were bouncing around this idea also the other day about like just thinking about like these other towns and it's always like such a such a nightmare to try and get like ticket sales there so to try and like reach out more to local press you know like some kind of like local newspaper or something and then someone was i don't know if i mentioned uh, this to you before but someone was like what if we cut up like some old specials we have um like because we have some stuff we haven't like published yet and and some like from 2018 or 19 and uh like make shorter versions and kind of sell them to like local tv channels like in uh like in different regions and not for like big profit but just for kind of like brand recognition kind of like just like to show them a little bit of stand-up because there's like a bunch of people there that really have that shit like in the background and it doesn't matter how old you are you just kind of if you have a tv you kind of have that in the background um Mm. in your local area 
selling other towns. Okay, this is an interesting one. First of all, the TV thing, as uh, Rayleigh just pointed out to me yesterday, you have this thing in, in, in Latvia where there's like separate TV stations for separate regions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's, that's essentially that. Wow, we don't have that. Oh, okay. We've only got the one national broadcaster, ETV, mm-hmm. uh, who essentially goes over the whole country. And if you're not on the one of those three channels, you're yeah. not on TV. Yeah. So this is a very... So, okay, now I get the context mm-hmm. for this situation. Okay, backing up, how to smell in small towns. Um, certainly, it's fame that has got us into those small towns. And I remember how hard it was. I remember driving to some place. I remember Ari, we were driving in Tartu. And I was like, bro, we got to stop in, I forget where it was. And we're going to put up posters around town. And me and Ari would, you know, go at the hall and then some pole and some cafe. And thankfully, now we're at the time, we don't have to put up our own posters anymore. Mm-hmm. But... In small towns, you definitely rely on offline marketing more. Um, And this is absolutely where our new manager should talk to Henrik because Henrik's job is to find these small towns. He'll rely more on bus stops, maybe screens in the mall, billboards, electronic billboards or something like that. Mm -hmm. Local newspaper ads in that paper. Much more we will spend on offline real advertising in that town mm-hmm. um, rather than putting up our own posters maybe there's you talk to the venue and maybe they know some weird local guy that for 20 bucks will go you you cargo bus him the posters mm-hmm. and he'll go put them up around town that's yeah. great you don't have to travel there or do extra work um also selling in small towns yeah definitely more offline as hard as you would know probably better than me harder to target online shit yeah harder to do target audiences the smaller the town gets the harder it gets um that and the selling in small towns is definitely something to think of as a progress like we're gonna go once and get some people and next time we're gonna get more and next time and again we're thinking long term we're thinking in this rhythm that we're gonna be here this whoever's doing the spring tour might go there but we're definitely gonna go there for the autumn tour yeah and we're gonna come back and this thing, I'm gonna, we're gonna w- work on this thing together. I'm gonna share you my secrets of how I track the Facebook attends. Yeah. And my tool for tracking Facebook attends and my tool for tracking sales. Billetio service is the same as Billetio Levy. Yeah. And every three days, I'm extracting the Facebook attends mm-hmm. and I'm extracting the current sales. And I'd lay that down into a spreadsheet. And Merrily's job, I just put the data in the spreadsheet. It's her job to graph it and to look at it mm-hmm. because then what you do is you start graphing sales for a city over time mm-hmm. and then you start laying on oh we did the newspaper ad here we did the bus stops here and you see was there a spike was there not a spike mm-hmm. you can also get statistics out of Bilesha's service on who bought online versus who bought at the desk some people especially yeah, yeah. in small towns they will buy much more at the desk mm-hmm. still so you start to you that information is really bad with the sales info. So we track this sales info because yep. next time you learn what caused the bump, what caused but, the spike. But that's interesting. I remember like this was like a year ago I was talking to Village Service specifically about this um about this um, not product, but like a service that mm-hmm. they would give us like the sales data and they were like, Oh, we don't do that. No, you just need numbers. Now, all oh. I'm talking about is raw sales numbers. Okay, okay, okay. Raw sales numbers. Because yeah. in Bezrindas, actually, yeah. we ha- like we like give them extra money and they give us all the emails and stuff. Right, right. So then right. we can like extract those down to like and not like like tar- like not like send them something, but like just extract those now into like the CVS file and then like put them in 
um, like Facebook or something, because now with the iOS 14 thing, like you can't like effectively do like lookalike audience and stuff like mm. that with all the tracking. So like we like, but we to be honest, we still haven't implemented that. Like I figured that stuff out like during lockdown, I think, in preparation for kind of what's gonna come down. So. That's why we use this specific like ticket vendor because they have that extra. That's cool, extra and kind that's of something thing. yeah we never thought to do before. Um, maybe it's something we can do. We're not very good at Facebook ads. Mm-hmm. That's also another one. We're very basic. We do a little targeting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's all we can do. Like we, likes comedy movies. <laughs> yeah, we our audience in that geographic that town, and that's as the limit that we've mm-hmm. we're going at. Uh, yeah, just raw sales out of Bilesha's service. They'll give you the CSV or the Excel file mm-hmm. or whatever. And I copy paste that into my own thing. And it's a manual process. Mm-hmm. It takes me like five minutes every two days. Mm-hmm. And to, that is the most valuable data. And then you just try and... Then it is. It is a lot of thinking a bit about that town. Who is in that town? Uh, we think a bit about... You know, is it uh, Valga, Valka border when yeah. we do the show in Valga on our yeah. border? You know, who are the people living on the border there? How do they think? What oh, that's an do? interesting audience. Yeah, you yeah, get like you, a 50 50 mashup there. You got to get a little bit into their mindset. Oh, we could, do, like, we could definitely do like a Latvian Estonian kind of like comedy thing. There were <laughs> half the show is that and half the show is that. And then like just, and you can see everyone who stands up and goes for a smoke break while one of the other, other <laughs> languages comes up. Like, I we just do it all in Russian. Yeah, we just do it all in Russian. <laughs> the yeah. language of friendship in the Baltics. Yeah, <laughs> language of <duh. laughs> yeah. That's cool. All right, why don't we wrap it up? We've got some yep. things, but that's cool. Yeah, this ah, uh, this this uh, small town stuff. It's it's gonna be a hard slog. Yeah, yeah. But it's gonna be something to do over the next few years. When you get there, that's. This is a few years process yeah. for getting into these small towns. But I, I'm guessing also with doing the open mics there, like when you started, did you feel like when you started doing, because you did start with Tartu anyway, but that sure. because you have also open mics there. We haven't done open mics in many other cities. Talantato, yes. Mm-hmm. Padano sometimes because there was a cool venue. But even then we understood how much extra effort it was because everyone at least in Talantato, someone's living in Tartu, someone's living in Tartu, so there's always half the people are traveling. Mm-hmm. But everyone's traveling to a pad in the mic. Mm-hmm. So, but after a while, we got rolling so much and we understood there was enough fans there that we could just do this show there. Mm-hmm. But beyond that, um, no, we haven't had mm-hmm. that many open mics. But what we kind of ended up more doing is, like, do we really want to do... When you go to, uh, I'm trying to use an Estonian, but when you go to some town and you could probably get 80 people to come, cool, that's a show, right on. Yeah. Is it really open mic? Mm-hmm. We call that comedy night. I guess a small title change, but mm-hmm. shift in mindset. That you don't have to have the banger set, but maybe it's like your best of your open mic over the last yeah. few months. And we call it comedy night. Because typically also, if we're going to that town, we want to charge you a ticket, even yeah. if it's five euros. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we just want it to be guaranteed that we got our petrol money. And it's and it's then it's also a bit like we're not actually looking for new new par new talent to, right. like, to come up and like kind of start doing it. So kind of the mindset being, if you want to do stand-up, you have to go to one of the big cities sure. to kind of do it. So look, maybe. You can still write, like if you're interested in performing, come and you put them on. But I think, yeah, true. It's not a... Or it's not a comedian attracting thing, but it's an audience mindset thing. Mm-hmm. 
with respect to people in the countryside, I don't think they get a big difference between open mic and comedy night. Yeah, yeah. I don't think they're they're so au fait or so upped with the, the lingo. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So for them, they totally don't mind that it's comedy night in their town for five euros. Mm-hmm. And even though it's the best two, op- you know, the best of last three open mics that we did, yeah. the show was okay. They had a night out, five euros. So we haven't done open mic, open mic in a lot of different towns. Yeah. But comedy night, we will try to as well insert into new places. Oh, some some new culture center pops up in some place in Tapa. They contact yeah. us. We're like, okay, yeah. Can we get, do we have a room in the schedule? Let's schedule a comedy night there. Mm-hmm. Cool. And then that's another way that you start testing these towns without being part of the formal tour. Yeah. Give the bar a would go. These, you know? Would these little places like charge you guys for rent? Uh, it really depends, but mostly not. Mostly a theater will. A culture center yeah. will, but if it's a bar or something like that, it's like no, nah, we're we're both. We, this is two way street here, buddy. Nothing's yeah. going on in your town. We're coming to your town. Yeah. So we're gonna take the ticket because that covers our fees. You're gonna take the bar, and we're all gonna have a good time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we have this place in uh, in Yalgova, and it's like this big like student place, mm-hmm. and there's like the, the biggest bar there. It's like. Um, like we kind of started out there also when we were going and we had like a lot of people come down because it's a big like student place and we kind of see it also being like this next um, like next logical thing to like build up like a bigger following and uh, yeah and the owners there they're just like we know very well that either is either this or you have to go take this like the 400 seat concert hall Mm -hmm. and we want 30% and we at the beginning we're like okay and now we're like you know what fuck that we're gonna take the concert hall like, and it, because it even even during covid when we did it there yes it was like at 40 percent capacity hmm. but it was still it just made a lot more sense to what like come down can you imagine i mean i guess they're just not on board right they're yeah. not they're not good partners right but it's totally if a venue manager is not good to us we absolutely don't want to be there yeah. even if the venue's great and the town's banging I won't yep. have my I, my staff don't want to work for that person. Comedians aren't down if they don't want to turn the venue around and make it how we want to make it. Yeah, if yeah. They, it just it just it just it God. just baffles me. I can't. And you want to hope that maybe eventually there will be some other bar there. Is yep. there a bar that will hold forty people? Yeah. You know, I don't know. I'm just saying. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. You know, maybe there's a bar that'll hold forty people. Fuck it. We'll just go do the little bar for forty people. We don't care. You know. We're yeah. Just yeah. gonna do a mic there. Yeah. So that's real tough if they're not with the, that mindset. But if the venue manager is good, they're good relationships that you'll hold for a long time. There's some some venues we're doing, which is like the like in Padanil, it's the third name that bar has had. Yeah. I think it's like the fourth name or something. The Alibi, uh, Folk now by the bus station. We've had we've been through three owners. Yeah. On the other, so we've got an allegiance to the room, right? Yeah, and then yeah, yeah. They get a new owner, and we knock on the door, and we're like, "Hey, we're back," and, we'll, and they're like, "They're like, sure." I've been like, "We know everything. We already know the room." Yeah, yeah, yeah. On the other hand, we're still working with venue managers who have moved from venue to venue, and they're like, "Hey, now I'm over here. I'm opening this place," and we always knew that was a cool guy who understood us and knew mm-hmm. what we needed. Great, we're in your place, and all the comedians are like, "Oh, that guy, he's there." Yeah. Great. We're we're in his venue. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Yeah. So so you also you also think comedians kind of have that exposure and get like a relationship with these venue managers. We all do. Yeah, yeah. we all do. So 
um, staff do, the comedians do mm-hmm. as well. Um, yeah, no one wants to work with someone cunty. Yeah, 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 for sure. <laughs> All right, let's do it. Donna, thanks for the talk. Yeah, no worries. Anytime. All right, thanks everyone. See you next time. Bye.